In this episode of Hang the Banner, I look ahead at each SEC team's schedule from Alabama to Vanderbilt and predict every game from week zero all the way up until the SEC championship game and then give my SEC standings plus my SEC West and SEC East champion. I hope you enjoy and I hope that this gets you extremely pumped leading into the SEC football season, which is right around the corner. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back again to another episode on Hang the Banner Podcast. And there's a big one. It's a big one today. And if I sound hype, it's because I am hype. We are less than two weeks away from every SEC team getting back in action. And we're less than one week away from college football back on our TVs. So I'm hype about it. And because I'm so hype about it, I'm going to jump in and give my full game-by-game breakdown kind of prediction for every SEC team, every or all 14 teams from Alabama to Vanderbilt. I'm going to give each game on the schedule uh, if I think they're going to win or lose it and what the score is going to be, and then I'll have my entire SEC standings from 1 to 7 in both the West and the East. Uh, I'm not going to go into like extreme depth on the previews for each team because I'm doing all 14 teams into one episode, and we'd be here all day if I did that going that in-depth with each team, but uh, I'll give a little bit of note and then jump right into the schedule. So, it should be a little bit longer of an episode compared to at least a lot of what I've put out there, so we're going to go ahead and not waste any time and jump right on into it. And we'll go in alphabetical order from Alabama to Vanderbilt. So, right up at the top, the Alabama Crimson Tide. Last year's SEC champions won the game against Georgia, however, they lost it to Georgia in the national championship the one that they would argue mattered the most in what Nick Saban called a rebuilding year last year. And it's pretty uh pretty good sign of the program if you can have a rebuilding year in a you know a season where you still win the SEC championship and make the national championship game. That's Nick Saban being Nick Saban. We all pretty much know what he is at this point. Uh, obviously Heisman winner Bryce Young returns. They've added uh, Jameer Gibbs at running back and look to be able to run the ball pretty well. They lose a, you know, a handful of starters every year, but we've seen it time and time again to where they just reload and refill it with more five stars and get back at it. So we'll go ahead and jump into the schedule. They get things started with Utah State in week one. That should be a pretty easy win. I don't see that being much trouble at all for Alabama, and then they'll get the backups in pretty early. So that's a win, 52-10 to 10, uh, is what they score. Week two, that's the first big matchup. They go on the road to Austin, Texas to face the Longhorns. It's a game that if uh, Texas can even make it competitive, uh, if who knows, pull off a miracle and get the upset in week two, we'll be hearing Texas is back for, you know, who knows how long. But uh, I don't see it going that way. This seems to be a classic um, Alabama kind of, you know, the the media wants to hype it up and make you think that Texas has a shot, but really they don't. Uh, I see Alabama winning big. I've got it 45-17. I kind of touched on it if you if you listen to the over-unders. Uh, you know, the episodes there for the West, I, I thought that Alabama would run away with it. It might be a little bit closer in the first half, but eventually Bama just pulls away and is, is too much. So 45-17, I 
Alabama gets a win there. Uh, game three, Louisiana Monroe at home. Not much to say about that one. 55 to three, Alabama wins. Again, gets all the the backups in. Vanderbilt game four again. I don't see too much happening here. Vanderbilt's just not on that level. I you know for most SEC teams, they're definitely not going to match up with Alabama. 42 nothing, Alabama wins. Uh, and now here's kind of the first game where I can see it, and I've got like Alabama maybe struggle, struggling. A couple of bounces, the football goes the other way. Who knows? An upset could happen. I think it's very possible. Uh, but Arkansas on the road, so you got to go to Fayetteville. I still got it as an Alabama win, but that's a close one, 31-28. So, like I said, a, you know, a big turnover in a key situation. Ball bounces the you know the other way. Arkansas could get an upset here is how I see it. But right now, still on paper, Alabama wins 31-28. And uh, going on to the next one, it's the game that, you know, everyone's kind of got circled. Alabama-Texas A&M after the offseason drama between Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher. But this is one that I see, you know, media hypes up. Everyone's, you know, looking forward to it and thinks it's going to be game of the year. But it doesn't really live up to that. At Alabama, they're focused on it. I've got it as a 14-point win for, for Alabama, 35-21. to 21. And, uh, you know, I hope that the, it is closer than that just because of how big the national attention will be on Alabama and A&M when that game happens. And if there's fireworks in that game and, you know, it's down the wire, I mean, it can really be game of the year. But I've got it. It just seems like whenever they have those and hype them up, it doesn't really always live up to that expectation. So 35-21, Bama wins. Uh, moving on, they travel to Knoxville, take on the Tennessee Volunteers. This is one where I can potentially see uh, this one be close if Tennessee at this point in the season is rolling. We'll get to them later. But, uh, you know, it's again, I don't think that they're there yet, especially on the defensive side with the depth to, to pull off an upset and they don't get enough stops for, you know, to, to upset Alabama. So 45-28, so it's a 17-point win, but... It's a game that, you know, maybe Bama gets a late one to kind of extend it there, like a 10 to 17 point lead majority of the game, which I know most of the time, you know, that's not something you you like to see. But, you know, Tennessee playing Alabama, it hasn't even been that close a lot of the time. So improvement, but not there yet. Bama wins. Uh, Going forward, Mississippi State at home, coming back after that one. I don't see this one being too close. I got it as a 41-21 point uh, win. For Alabama, so 20 points uh, victory for that one. Not really too much trouble. Uh, at LSU, uh, it's again, it's always a rivalry game that uh, media hypes up. But it's Brian Kelly's first year, and it's in Baton Rouge. But I still don't think LSU's there yet, even with the environment and everything. I've got it closer, 35-31 for the score. But Alabama wins that one as well. Travel to Ole Miss in their final road game, which again, if Ole Miss is... Uh, Season's going well to this point. This could be one where that atmosphere is crazy and they can pull an upset, but I don't see it. 14-point win, 42-28, to Alabama. Uh, for that one, they go to 10-0, and then they'll round out the year with Austin P. Not much to say there. 56 nothing. I've got for the win. And then they finish in the Iron Bowl, which I have as a win for Alabama, but a lower scoring. They're the only team that I've got all year long that would hold Alabama below 30 points. But it's still a 14-point win, 24-10 over Auburn. So that's a 12-0 regular season for Alabama. I don't see them losing on paper. I'm not going to go into postseason predictions because who knows who they'll play and what the matchups will be. But 
I do have Alabama winning the West, going 12-0, and 0, eight undefeated in conference, 8-0. And comparing it to the over-under episode, that pick was over 10.5. So I clearly have them winning 12 games and hitting that over. All right, moving on to the second team. That would be Arkansas Razorbacks. Uh, kind of breaking it down, they lost. Obviously, Traylon Burks was their big-time playmaker wide receiver. He's gone. Uh, wide receivers, I don't think, will take a too big of a step back. It'll be more by committee instead of one star. K.J. Jefferson back at quarterback. And we'll see what they are able to put on the field if they're able to keep improving under Sam Pittman. Uh, so we'll jump right into the schedule. They start the year off with Cincinnati, who just went to the uh, playoffs for the first time. And uh, we, we saw them hold their own for a little bit against Bama, but ultimately not really have the talent, especially up front, to, to make that game ever that close. And it really threatened to win that ball game. But they, they come back. They lost a lot uh, from Cincinnati. And now they have to go and play Arkansas to start. I think this game's closer than some people expect, but still ultimately a home environment uh, for the Razorbacks gets them the win. 27-20, start the year 1-0. They open conference play up in week two. They get South Carolina at home. South Carolina's a team that, uh, if you listen to the over-under pick, I have them as the under for my best bet in the East. I think they'll be improved. We'll get to them later. But I don't see them doing much to Arkansas here. 38-10 to 10 final score, Arkansas. And this is really kind of where some hype starts building up. Because the media is higher on South Carolina than I think I am so far. And they'll build this one up and think that maybe South Carolina can get a big start and big win in year two for them. But ultimately, Arkansas, I think, wins this easily and kind of shuts that down a little bit. So 38-10, to 10, go 2-0. Missouri State. Third game, not much to say. 52-7 win for Arkansas here. Moved to 3-0. And then you've got the neutral site game that's played in Arlington, I believe. Between uh, Texas A&M and Arkansas. This is one where it always seems like it's close. But right now I have this one as a loss for Arkansas. 35-24, first loss of the season. First loss I've been predicting out of all these schedules. It's weird to not say win anymore. But 35-24, an 11-point loss. It could be close and then kind of pulls away there. Maybe like a 28-24 in the fourth quarter. Texas A&M gets a touchdown to seal it to win by 11. And uh, this one wraps up as a, a victory for them. So they go to 3-1 and one and they have to rebound after that loss by hosting Alabama. And again, we've already been over this game, like I said, when we, we broke down Alabama. Potentially a few more bounces going one way towards the home team. Maybe the crowd kind of rattles uh, Alabama a little bit because they weren't the best on the road last year. We saw them struggle. And if that kind of continues, who knows? That bounces the other way, and I'm wrong on this one. But right now, I still got it as the loss, 31-28. So they fall to 3-2 and two to start the year. Moving forward after back-to-back -back losses, uh, Arkansas will go on the road to face the Mississippi State Bulldogs. And I think they bounce back here on the road. After, you know, the neutral site loss and then come back for a home game where they end up losing. And they get a good win, a close win, 27-21, six points on the road at Mississippi State. To get back in the win column, move to 4-2. and two, And then they'll have one of the, I don't say most intriguing, but it's very, it's a very fun matchup. And it's hard for me to predict on paper, mostly because how many times do we go see an SEC team go to the here and play? But they have to travel to play... The BYU Cougars, we've seen BYU come to the SEC country a few years ago when they came to Knoxville and upset Tennessee when Jeremy Pruitt was still there. But 
for this one, they get to host Arkansas. It's very intriguing because uh, you just don't see it. It's like Auburn at Penn State last year, but maybe on a little slightly less level. It's not the wideout. But it's, it's just an interesting how many times you see a road game go there for an SEC opponent. But I see Arkansas getting the win 30-20. to 20. And moving on, uh, so with back-to-back road wins to kind of counteract their back-to-back losses. They'll then have another road game. I believe this is after a bye. I don't have byes written down on my schedule that I've you know got in my notes here. But they go to play at Auburn. And this is where I see them trip up in a close game, 28-24. to I think finally a road atmosphere kind of gets to them here. Um, and maybe even a little banged up from the, you know, that treacherous stretch beforehand. Even with the bye, they don't get back to be fully healthy. But 28-24 to and another close loss. And we'll get to Auburn here in just a second. But 28-24, Auburn beats Arkansas. They'll come back from that and come home to play Liberty at home. And uh, so that this one, 21-point win. I know Liberty, they've lost Malik Willis to the NFL. So they're going to be you know retooling their offense. But I find this to be a pretty easy win for Arkansas, even though Liberty, in terms of teams that are at that level of play, is pretty well known. And... Everyone kind of thinks it's better than the rest of the league that they play in, but I don't find it being too much of a problem. 35-14 Arkansas before hosting LSU. And this is one that I've gotten written down as another kind of close, like Alabama ball goes a different way. It could completely wind up differently. But I've got this one being a huge win for Brian Kelly to get things going late in their season. Uh, to kind of solidify his start in Baton Rouge, but a 24-21 victory for LSU over Arkansas. Uh, as Arkansas will have only two games left to close up the season, they get Ole Miss at home, and I find them bouncing back big time. It's kind of a roller coaster season I've got for Arkansas, but I've got them bouncing back after a home loss to LSU with an 18-point home win against Ole Miss, 38-20. And they end the year at Missouri where they get a 21-point win, 38-17, to without much trouble. So that has Arkansas finishing 8-4 and 4-4 and and in the conference with losses to Texas A&M in a neutral side, Alabama at home, at Auburn, and LSU at home. So if you compare it to the over-under pick, I said pick the under 7.5. But, as you can clearly see, I have 8-4 and four with a couple of uh, actually bounces going the wrong way type losses there. And obviously some of the wins I have can you know do the same thing. There's at Mississippi State's a close win. BYU could go a different way. LSU, Ole Miss could go a different way type of type of season. So I've got it eight and four right now, but it could easily be seven and five. They're kind of dancing right on that line. I think that line is pretty well set by Vegas, but eight and four, which is the different from my over-under pick that I made, so slight difference there. And like I said, I made those picks based off of value, not necessarily what I think each game will do, and that's what I'm kind of jumping in here, picking each game. So 8-4, and four, Arkansas. Moving on to team number three, which is the Auburn Tigers. They, obviously, we've, we've seen the off-the-field the off drama that they've had throughout that. I'm not going to get too deep with that, but not a lot of people high on them. Bo Nix transferred out. They still yet to name a starting quarterback, so there's a battle between T.J. Finley, Robbie Ashford, and Zach Calzada. Everyone thought Calzada would be it, but he seems to be pretty low in the depth chart at this moment. Tank's, Tank Bigsby back at running back, so we'll have to see how that offense looks. I think 
mostly they'll be relying on their defense to keep them in games and hope their offense can just do enough to get some wins. But they start with a pretty, I don't want to say easy schedule, but a good chance to go 4-1 or 5-0 and to start. So we'll jump into it and see how, things, how I see things starting and ultimately ending with the Auburn Tigers. They start with Mercer. Uh, they played them a few years ago. Mercer, for me, when I hear them, I think about them beating Duke in March Madness years ago. And that was probably the first time I ever heard of Mercer. But they start off uh, September 3rd with them. I've got it being a 42-14 to win. Doesn't really matter who the quarterback is for Auburn at this point. Should be an easy win, 42-14 to start 1-0. San Jose State comes in as well, the week two, so two easier tune-up games. I see it 48 to 10 Auburn, even though I still think I think San Jose State's a better team than Mercer, but I think that they, you know, Auburn offense can kind of get things a little bit figured out more by week two, and it's 48 to 10, and then the big one starts happening. This is where Penn State comes to town. We saw Auburn go up to play at Penn State in the whiteout. And now Penn State returns the favor and travels to Jordan-Hare. This is one of the most important games of the season in terms of making or breaking a potential team's record. I think if Auburn wins this game, they can build a lot of momentum and, and start turning things around. If they lose it, then all of a sudden things can fall off pretty quick. Uh, but I do have it as a close win at the moment. I think... Uh, just the fact that it's in Jordan Hare, it's a crazy atmosphere to like how the whiteout affected Auburn last year, that they'll affect Penn State. And it's something you don't really think about. This is a September 17th game at 2.30 in southeastern Alabama. And I just don't know how off, how used is Penn State to playing in that type of heat in the middle of September. So, you know, throw all those factors in. I think it's a close game, but ultimately the home team just kind of gets the advantage here. 24-21 Auburn win. They start 3-0. And then after that, they get kind of Missouri, which honestly I think has a potential trap game feel to it. You can kind of overlook Missouri. I know coaches shouldn't overlook anybody, and they say they won't overlook anybody, but you know what happens because you've got LSU the next week coming in. But I still have it on paper. Auburn's better than Missouri and should beat Missouri. Like I said, if you lose to them, especially if you lose to Penn State the week before and then you turn around and lose to Missouri, Things can get bad very quickly, but I've got it as a win for Auburn, 31-17, because they should beat Missouri. Uh, still just a 14-point win, but they start 4-0. And again, week five, LSU comes to town. This is a game where, I mean, Brian Kelly, just in his fifth week as the LSU head coach, now you're coming to Jordan-Hare. And I think it's, uh, I have to go and check, let me look at their schedule. Yeah, it's their first not game away from home. They do have a neutral site game. They play in New Orleans, though, for the neutral site. So it's their first road atmosphere. And it'll be October 1st at Auburn. And it's just another one where I think that they're kind of evenly matched teams in terms of across-the-board roster that I see Auburn just getting the advantage because of the home team and the environment. Especially if Auburn beats Penn State and if they're 4-0. I don't see that. I mean, I see that environment being absolutely crazy. And that being the factor here. And so Auburn 28-24, and they start 5-0 and on the season. And you get a bunch of hype building. Is, is Brian Harson fixed? Well, you know, all the problems and really turn this thing around. Well, all of a sudden, you turn around and go and play in Athens, Georgia. The reigning national champs. 
I don't see this one being uh, that competitive. I've got it as a 38-17 win, so just 21 points, uh, which normally you'd like just a 21-point loss. But going to play at Georgia, the national champs, they're just not there on the roster. And like I said, maybe it'll be a little bit closer and some late touchdowns extend it. But um, 38-17, not ever really threatening to, to actually win it. Uh, first loss there. Then I have them traveling to play Ole Miss uh, right after that. And I've got it as a 10-point win for Ole Miss, 31-21. And just another game where I favor the home team. I think it'll be a pretty good environment there for the Rebels. And you just get a 10-point win as Auburn is coming off of a loss. And they, you know, they get the win there. So they drop two games in a row before coming home to Arkansas, which I just talked about. You come back home in a game where I think Arkansas is a little beat up. Auburn's a little beat up. And I just favor the home team in that home environment where you get a close 28-24 win to, to bounce back from the losses. They try, I have them traveling to play at Mississippi State, which is a sneaky good game, I feel like. But this is one where I think... Even though you're on the road, I think Auburn kind of goes into it pissed off about blowing a 28-3 lead last season to where they turn around and they get a 24-17 win on the road this year. And they kind of bounce back from that. So back-to-back wins after their two losses, and they'll be sitting at 7-2. and And then they kind of fall off and stumble to end the season. They get Texas A&M at home. This is where I've been favoring the home field advantage, but... I think on paper, Texas a and much better than Auburn. It'll be a defensive game a lot like last year. 21-10, uh, Texas A&M getting the win in Jordan-Hare. Western Kentucky at Auburn to uh, close out their home schedule, their their senior day, and it's a 52-0 win for Auburn there. And then they'll end the season 24-10 loss in the Iron Bowl at Alabama. Already talked about that one. So I have Auburn finishing 8-4 and 4-4 and four and four in the SEC. So now we'll move on to the first SEC East team. We've been exclusively in the West as of this moment because the first three teams alphabetically and all the teams with A's uh, to start their team name is in the West with Alabama, Arkansas, and Auburn. So Florida is the first SEC East team alphabetically. Kind of uh, an interesting start. They're also got a new head coach with Billy Napier. Uh, Anthony Richardson returns at QB. He kind of split time. Everybody kind of wanted him over. Uh, I think it was Emory Jones. And uh, so Anthony Richard back full-time here to get the Billy Napier era underway for Florida. And I think one of the hardest games for me to predict right now, I have went back and forth on this multiple times when I started looking at their schedule. They host Utah week one in Gainesville. I have, I mean, like I said, I went back and forth with win, loss. So obviously I see it being close and can go either way. I think I've I've got one pick here, and then I've got a like a college pick'em league where I have the opposite pick, and so not too confident about this one. But Utah comes in, and I'm going to go on record in this episode as having a win for Florida, 28 to 21. Like I said, I go back and forth. Just I, I think Utah has a more talented roster at the moment, but you've got to come across the country into Gainesville knowing that that's one of the you know, toughest environments to come and play. It's going to be crazy. You know, an early September game, kind of the same thing with the Heat uh, as I have Penn State-Auburn type thing. So right now, I'm going to put it in the schedule as Florida getting the win here, 
28 to 21, but I go back and forth every time I look at it. So I have them starting 1-0. Week 2, Kentucky comes into Gainville, and I've got this one as a loss. So they, they get the win over Utah, big win to start the Billy Napier era, and they turn around and lose to Mark Stoops in Week 2, 24-14, start 1-1. One one. South Florida, Week 3, they get a pretty easy win there, 42-10, to 10, go to 2-1. and one. And one of the more important games in the East, at least in terms of trying to figure out who comes second in the East. I think we all know who's or who we've got number one in the East. But Florida traveling to Knoxville in Tennessee, this is a big game. And as someone who lives in Tennessee and has a lot of Tennessee fans, I know how big this game is for for the environment of Tennessee football and the SEC East in general. But this has been owned by Florida. I think there's only been one win. For, for Tennessee and I don't even know how many years since uh, Philip Fulmer at Tennessee and he got run off and it was I think that was 2016 with Josh Dobbs there but I've got Florida coming in at Tennessee we'll get to the volunteers a little bit later on but right now I've got this as an 11 point win for Tennessee 35 to 24 I just think the environment's a little bit too crazy there in Knoxville how they start, and it's the Florida Gators' first time outside of home, their home environment going on the road. And, and first, Billy Napier's first road game as a head coach, I think Tennessee gets the win with their offense. They'll bounce back with that with a home game against Eastern Washington. Not too much to say. I've got it as a 38-3 sorry, 38-3 win for Florida. They follow that up with a home game against Missouri. 27-14 win for Florida. This one is, you know, I've only got it as a 13-point game, one of those low-scoring kind of surprises to where neither team really looks that great, but, you know, Florida's just better on paper, and they got the home field, so 27-14 win there. Then they'll host LSU, which I've got the LSU Tigers coming into Florida and getting a close win, 28-24. Could go either way. Again, it depends really on how both teams or at that point in the season, how I see that game going. But right now, before the season kicked off, I've got LSU getting a close win in Gainesville. Then they get your your yearly neutral site game in Jacksonville, Florida, between the Georgia Bulldogs. And this one, I just don't think Florida matches up well. 41-17, Georgia getting the win here. Then they'll travel to Texas A&M in a brutal stretch they've got here. A three-game, really even four-game stretch. But they travel to the Aggies in College Station. They face Texas A&M, and I've got them following that up with another loss by 14 points. 35-21, to 21, so three straight losses for the Gators. They'll bounce back with a home game against South Carolina in your last home game of the season. And this is a game that I think they ultimately pull out, but it's going to be a lot closer than really it should be. 31-28. to 28. Right now, this is one where I think that South Carolina kind of pulls an upset or has a shot to pull an upset, even though I've got them as ultimately falling short. I think it's potential that they do. But 31-28 win for Florida in this one. Before traveling to Vandy. They'll, you know, it's Vanderbilt, we'll get to them. I just feel bad for them in the SEC with their schedule. And I just don't see them matching up really with anybody. But 38-7 to win on the road here before ending the year with a one-point win 
in their annual rivalry game against Florida State on the road 21-20. So that ultimately puts Florida at 7-5 and 3-5 and in the SEC. If you compare that to the over-under pick, uh, that puts them, I had them over 6.5 and, and they finished at 7-5. and five. So just hitting that over by one game. So I think that line was pretty close, but I do like the over. I think I forgot to do the over-under comparison for Auburn. So just going back to that just for a second, I've got Auburn over. I had them pick over 5.5. It was the best bet that I had from the West. I had them at 8-4, and four, easily clearing that over. I think I forgot to put that in there when I was doing their schedule, so I'll go back and do that real quick. Before jumping to the Georgia Bulldogs, who is the big-time favorite in the East. I think most people have them finishing and winning the East. Uh, but I mean, it's pretty surprising. But you might be surprised how I see their schedule ending up. So we'll run through it. Stetson Bennett's back, uh, but they do have to replace a lot of starters on their defense, and a defense that pretty much won a national championship for them. They rode that defense all season. So this is a, a team looking at it. They're obviously still stacked and still well set up as a, to have a run for another title playoff run chance at the SEC championship but I do expect them to have to win differently this year uh, and more in terms of not just you know having your defense be dominant the entire season and needing your offense to just do enough to stay in front Uh, I think it's kind of a little bit reverse here I think that Stetson Bennett's gonna have to go out and win some games I think he can because he has a ton of talent around him still on the offense but it's going to be they're gonna have to win their games by riding their offense more than their, they did last season. So they start off with a uh, very interesting neutral site game in Atlanta. So they'll still have a huge home field advantage against the Oregon Ducks. Bo Nix, who's familiar with playing Georgia, he did three times at Auburn, assuming he wins the starting job. That's still not necessarily set in stone yet. But Oregon traveling down to Atlanta. I've got this one being close throughout but ultimately ending up as a 28-14 to 14 win for Georgia. I know it's a neutral site game, but you're going to have a majority of the fans favor, you know, rooting for you in that, in that building. So 28-14 start 1-0. Samford week 2, 40-0. Not much to say. Week 3, you travel to South Carolina. I know the media wants this to be a big game and wants South Carolina to at least show that they've improved enough and try to make this game close. I don't see it happening. 38-7 to win for Georgia. Come back home to play Kent State. That is a 51-10 win for the home team. Georgia, move to 4-0. You go to Missouri, 45-13. Not a close game on the road. Uh, pretty easy win there. Auburn at home. We've already broke that one down, 38-17. Home win for Georgia. Vanderbilt comes to Athens and just a bloodbath, 56 to nothing win for the Bulldogs. The neutral site game against Florida. Oh, are you playing Jacksonville? We already broke that one down, 41 to 17. Win there, Tennessee. You get them at home, and this is one where I think it's again if a potential. There's not many potential upset games on Georgia's schedule, but this is one of them. But I don't see this one bouncing towards an upset. Mostly because it is at home. I've got uh, Georgia winning 42-31 to 31 here. You go to Mississippi State. 
It's an interesting road environment, but I think you're just talented, more talented overall. 35-13 win for Georgia. And here's a big one. This is where I think if Georgia's going to slip up, and I've got them slipping up here. It'll be their first loss this season. You go to Kentucky. I think if anyone in the East is overall prepped to get the, the upset, it's Kentucky. Tennessee's offense is good enough to beat Georgia. I don't know if their defense is, and we'll, we'll get to Tennessee later, but and we'll still talk about Kentucky. But I think Kentucky here, in the home environment, end of the season, this is one where maybe a few things go you know, Kentucky's way, and a few games, like I said, we'll get to them here shortly, but this could be SEC East on the line. You never know. And I've got Georgia slipping up 28-24. to I just think, how often do you see, you know, a team won a national championship. I know they didn't go undefeated, but they, they lost in the SEC championship game to Alabama and still got in the playoff and won the whole thing and won the rematch. But how often do you see it? I think Kentucky uh, gets them here and gives them their first loss in quite a while in a regular season loss. Uh, and then they'll turn around and get Georgia Tech 42-3. to So still finishing 11-1 and 7-1 and in the conference. Still a good season, and you finish 11-1, you still, I mean, depending on how Kentucky does, you can still win the East, and you can still, you know, win that game, get in the playoffs. So just because I have a loss does not mean I have Georgia falling off, you know, the planet here and blowing up, and all of a sudden Kirby Smart's in trouble. I don't have that. It's just one slip up on the road, a couple of things go the home team's way, that place is jumping, and uh, just kind of an upset happens. So 11-1. We'll move on to the team we just talked about, Kentucky. So we already know one big win on the season, uh, but Will Levis back at QB, Chris Rodriguez Jr. at running back. They have a new offensive coordinator, but on paper, they look like they are prepped to have a good run in at least second in the East. Have a good run at that. But we already know one big win that I've got them down for. Oh, again, real quick, I keep forgetting to do it. Georgia... Their over-under pick was 10.5. I got them 11-1, hitting that over. That's what I had in that episode. I'm going to have to make myself keep doing those because I keep forgetting. But jumping into Kentucky's schedule, here we go. They open the season against Miami, Ohio. Not the Hurricanes down in Florida, but Miami, Ohio. At home, it's a 31-10 win for Kentucky. Should be an easy opener. Not too much problems there. And then they travel to Florida. We already talked about that when we did Florida's schedule. And the more teams that I do, we'll have much more games where I've kind of already talked about and already given my prediction for. It's just kind of how it happens. So a win here for Kentucky in Gainesville, 24-14. I remember when that crazy long streak was happening and Kentucky ended the streak of losses in Gainesville and got it. That was a crazy good game. Very underrated for terms, at least if you're not a fan of Kentucky. Overall SEC kind of uh, big picture there. Very underrated for Kentucky going to Gainesville and getting that win. That was years ago. But I see them doing it again here by 10 points. Come home, you get Youngstown State, where you win 52-3, start 3-0. Northern Illinois, 35-20 win for the home team. You start 4-0. And then here's a big game, which I've yet to talk about. Uh, it's getting to the point where there's not a ton of those. But they'll travel to play Ole Miss in a big East-West matchup. 
Uh, and it's it's interesting here, but uh, Ole Miss gets the home field advantage, and I normally do jump and take home field teams when I see them being kind of close. But here I've got the road team, Kentucky, squeaking at a 28-21 to victory and starting 5-0 and on the year. Uh, you bounce back after that. You get South Carolina at home. I've got this one being a 24-10 win. This is always one that seems to be closer than people think if one team kind of has an advantage. When South Carolina had it a few years ago, Kentucky would always make it close. Uh, Kentucky has advantage. South Carolina tries to make it close. But ultimately, I think on paper right now, Kentucky's better. And I'm like I said, I'm not as high on South Carolina as some other people. So 24-10 win for Kentucky. Um, close, but still a win and still a 6-0 start for the Wildcats. Then I've got Mississippi State coming in. And this is where I think I see them slip up once. I've got them losing 21-20. And this is a close. Down to the wire, I see Mississippi State. They're a little underrated, but with them, their schedule is so so difficult. It's, it's hard for them to, I mean, really make a ton of noise. But I think that they're better than people just kind of, that people kind of write them off. And they're better than that. But here's where I see Mississippi State getting one of the teams that might be a little bit better than them and on the road. So a close game where they get the win 21 to 20, maybe a couple missed field goals there uh, or some turnovers leads to Mississippi State win. But I've got that as Kentucky's first loss at home to Mississippi State. We'll get to more Mississippi State here in a little bit too. Uh, and then uh, they have to travel to Tennessee, which this is a team where I think a lot of people still have Kentucky in front of Tennessee, me included has Kentucky over Tennessee, but Tennessee beat Kentucky last year at Kentucky. And now they get them at home, and I've got Tennessee winning this one as well, 38-28. to 28. Just where I think that uh, Tennessee's offense kind of outmatches Kentucky's offense here, and the defense gets enough stops uh, just to get the win. Uh, but again, more on Tennessee later. 38-28 to 28 win for the Volunteers, and so that's back-to-back losses for Kentucky. You bounce back by traveling to Missouri, where I think you get a 14-point win, 31-17. to uh, To get back in the win column, then you welcome Vanderbilt home, 42-3. to Should be easy there. <clears throat> You're kind of riding that confidence into the Georgia game, which we talked about. I think Kentucky gets the win here. If you just skip through and just pick Kentucky, didn't listen to the Georgia uh, you know, breakdown just recently. Then I've got Kentucky winning at home in Georgia with the big upset, 28-24. to And just one kind of the big upset brewing here late in the year. Uh, so you, you win that one and you finish the year with your rivalry game against Louisville. It's kind of it's kind of bad when your, your rivalry game is at the end of the year, but your big win comes a week before. That's your, your season-defining win uh, against Georgia. Louisville comes to town. You win 45-21. to Shouldn't be too much of a problem here. Uh, Kentucky's just better than Louisville is at this point. So, overall, that is a 10-2 season record for Kentucky. Regular season record for Kentucky. They're over-under pick. I had over 7.5. I have them hitting that easily by three games. So, I could even be a little bit wrong, and I still like the over here. Uh, but So, Kentucky, 10-2. I think that's 6-2 and two in the SEC. And a really good position. So if you combine it, we'll get to the overall standings. But I had Georgia 11 and one and seven and one in the SEC, and Kentucky is 10 and two. That Mississippi State and Tennessee game 
you know, those losses uh, kept them from getting first and winning the East. So Georgia, I still think, does. And we'll get to the overall standings, but 10-2 and two, and 6-2 and two in the East. All right, now back to the West after a couple of pit stops in the East. We go back to the Western Division, and we've got the LSU Tigers and uh, Brian Kelly's first season in Baton Rouge. Interesting team because you really just never know uh, how your one's going to go. LSU's kind of left in a tough spot uh, with Ed O, uh, you know, on his way out uh, roster-wise after their national championship. But a whole lot of stuff about Brian Kelly. Does he fit? Does he not fit type of thing? I think, I mean, he's a good coach. I know, uh, I think a lot of people kind of reading into, like, does he fit in Louisiana a little bit too much? Winning fits in Louisiana. doesn't matter if he's got a fake southern accent or not or likes gumbo it doesn't really matter but uh they still haven't announced their qb it'll be either garrett nussmeyer or Jaden daniels after we saw miles brennan be told he's not going to win the starting job and just quit football retire altogether and say i'm out i'm done with this i mean he seemed like he was there for about six or seven years anyway so can't blame him i mean i wouldn't want to sit the bench that long either but so he's done. It'll be either Garrett Nussmeyer, who played some last year, or Jaden Daniels, um, who transferred from Arizona State, I believe. Uh, but the big thing is that Keishon Butte did end up returning. So no matter who's at quarterback, you've got your you know your number one target out there. But still a lot of turnover on the roster. So we'll go ahead and jump into the schedule, and they get things started with Florida State in a neutral site game in New Orleans. I know it's neutral site, but. Come on, I mean, it's it's still New Orleans. It's going to be a home-type atmosphere. Florida State fans don't have to go super far, though, so it's not like Georgia playing Oregon in Atlanta, where it's like, oh, yeah, it's a neutral site, but it's still in our state and you're across the country. It is still a neutral site game in their home state, but Florida State, not that far. So it's a game. It's hard on paper to predict right now. This one, it, it's tough. I go back and forth with it, too. Ultimately, I give it to LSU because I don't trust uh, Florida State, especially early on in the season. Definitely don't trust them in the in the big time matchups. However, I didn't do that last year, and they gave Notre Dame a run for their money, but that was at home. So this one in a neutral side game, I give to LSU twenty one to seventeen, and the Brian Kelly era starts with a big non conference win. You come back home and you play Southern. Uh, not much to say. Forty one ten. Home win for LSU. And then Mississippi State at home. This is one where I could see it going the other way and being wrong on it. But I've got this as a trip up. First SEC game for Brian Kelly. And I, I see this one going Mississippi State's way 24-17. to 17. Like I said, Mississippi State's where I think a lot of people overlook them. Just because of who they are. But their roster is better <clears throat> than what you would think. So their schedule is brutally tough. But I actually see Mississippi State going into LSU and getting a win here. Much like uh, when when Dak Prescott went and did it. Uh, Mississippi State in, uh, got the win in Baton Rouge. Not saying they're going to have Dak Prescott. Even though I do like their quarterback. We'll talk about them here in quite a, in a minute though. Uh, you bounce back after that with the home game against New Mexico. Should be an easy win there. 30-13. to And then you travel to Auburn. For your first road game, first road environment here, and I've already talked about it, but I think that road environment is a big time factor here. Again, if you didn't listen to the Auburn one, you just skip forward to listen to LSU. I've got Auburn getting a 28-24 to win where I just give it to the home team, really. It can go either way. 
few bounces go LSU's uh, direction here, and I see this being taken by the road team. But I give it here in my schedule breakdown before the season starts to the home team. Auburn wins 28-24, and LSU starts 3-2 and under Brian Kelly. So not, not your most ideal situation. Then Tennessee comes to Baton Rouge in an interesting East-West matchup that you don't see a lot. But this one I've talked about, I haven't gotten to Tennessee's schedule yet, but I've talked about the other teams they play where they get some, Tennessee gets some big wins against teams that a lot of people have uh, up there pretty high. But this one I have LSU getting the home win here to where I think this is one, and we'll talk about it when I get to Tennessee, but this is where I think Hendon Hooker doesn't have his best game. The, the crowd, I hope it's a night game just because Night games in Baton Rouge and Death Valley are way more fun than day games. And I would like to think Tennessee could be ranked a little higher where this is just an interesting matchup and gets a night game slot. But 35-31, close game. But the environment kind of gets to the Tennessee offense a little bit and the home team gets the win here, 35-31. Then I've got you traveling to Florida. And we've already talked about this one, but big win for Brian Kelly to turn things around getting a big road game. And beating the Florida Gators 28-24. to Then you come home and face Ole Miss. And here's one where, I mean, it's just a roller coaster year for year one. And it's kind of back and forth. I think you ride the highs of a big road win. And then Tennessee home win, that was pretty big. And then you get a little bit ahead of yourself and Ole Miss comes in and, and beats you 30-21 to at home. Uh, you follow that up with a game against Alabama, and that's a little bit of a factor too. Is that you're kind of looking ahead for Alabama because you've you've gotten those big wins now, and now you're thinking, oh, can we can we have a shot with Alabama? And then you kind of get ahead of yourself a little bit. I know coaches, staff, they shouldn't and don't really do that. I'm just kind of thinking more of how media will be talking things up. But they dropped the one to Ole Miss, and then Alabama comes in. And it's a lot. It's even closer than the Ole Miss loss I've got. I have Ole Miss beating them by nine. Alabama still getting the win as we talked about, but thirty-five to thirty-one in Baton Rouge. So a close loss there. That I think is their fourth loss in the season. You bounce back by traveling to Arkansas and getting a big road win there. We've already talked about it in the Arkansas breakdown, but thirty-one twenty-eight close win that just bounces LSU's way here, and you win by a field goal on the road. Thirty-one twenty-eight. UAB comes down to uh, every team seems to have a late cupcake, or a lot of them do. You get UAB this year for LSU. You win this one 40-14, shouldn't be a problem. And you end the year at Texas A&M, where it's when either seems like it's a super high-scoring multi-overtime game, or it's just kind of a snooze fest because maybe both teams didn't meet their expectations. And I have this being defensive, uh, Texas A&M gets the win 21 to 7 in the year. So, overall, that leaves LSU at 7 and 5 and I believe 3 and 5 in the SEC all the losses were to SEC opponents. The over under pick from the other episode for their Vegas line, I had over 6 and a half, so they're still hitting the over and still getting that pick there, but uh just barely at 7 and 5 on the season. All right, moving on to the next team. It's the Mississippi State Bulldogs. They've got Will Rogers back at quarterback, who I think is one of the more underrated SEC quarterbacks. And it might just be because he plays at Mississippi State, and they're a team that 
a lot of people just kind of throw the side because they think that they know what Mississippi State is. And unless they've got the star caliber Dak Prescott potential Heisman Trophy uh, run that he had back in, was that 2014, I think, when they led him to their first ever number one ranking type season, they just kind of throw Mississippi State to the side there. Uh, and I think Mississippi State's better uh, than what they kind of get talked up. But they do need more consistency as a team as a whole. They're one of the teams that even look back to last season. They beat Texas A&M on the road. They had the big comeback at Auburn last year. They got some big-time wins that they shouldn't have. And uh, most people thought would not happen. But then they turn around and drop games like to Memphis, I believe. Uh, was that at Memphis last season? They lost to that one. Uh, they They had some just... As a team, consistency problems where you drop games that you're not supposed to, but you win games that you also might not supposed to be winning. Uh, so they need more consistency overall to kind of move on up in the SEC West kind of caliber tier. And I think that they're capable of doing that, but this schedule is just one of the toughest in the uh, SEC, if not the entire country. And a lot of a lot of other national media will tell you how tough that schedule is. So let's go ahead and jump into it. They get Memphis at home, which they uh, just recently lost to at Memphis. So they get them back at home this year. I've got them winning at this time. Should win it 38 to 20, unless it, you know they shouldn't have a problem there. Unless it's one of the classic early season Mississippi State losses, to where they just lose to a team they clearly shouldn't. I don't see it playing out that way. They should get the win here, 38-20, 1-0. Then you travel to play Arizona on the road, and I love it when SEC teams travel out west to Pac-12. It just seems like you never have it. I want to see more home-and-homes for the SEC and Pac-12, even Big Ten. I know that's starting to happen a little bit more. Less neutral site games and more home-and-homes. That's a little bit of a tangent there, but... A little bit of rain. I just want to see more home-and-home atmospheres. But we get one here where Mississippi State goes and plays at Arizona. I just don't think Arizona is going to be that good this year. I wish it'd be a better matchup and, you know, a big-type thing we can kind of hype up in the media of Mississippi State going to play at Arizona. I just don't think it's going to be it. Then it'll be a fun matchup just for, you know, we don't get to see it that often. But I see Mississippi State should win here without much problem, even on the road. I've got it as a 31-10 Bulldogs win to start 2-0. Then they travel to Baton Rouge, and we just talked about this one. They get the upset here on the road and give Brian Kelly his first loss in his first SEC game, 24-17. Starts 3-0. Then you get Bowling Green. Should be an easy game there, 28-7, 4-0 start. Now's when things kind of get a little tricky. You get back-to-back home games, so... These are games that can go the other way, but I just think on paper, I like the other team better. Texas A&M comes in, I see them winning 30-14, to and then Arkansas comes in to Starkville and gets a 27-21 game, which we already talked about. But both of those games are in Starkville, and what I've said before when talking about consistency that Mississippi State always seems to get people that they shouldn't be able to get, and... Both of these games being at home, I can see both of these games going the other way and getting wins. Just right now, before the season, I have them written down as losses on the schedule, back-to-back, but I can easily see both of them bouncing the other way. 
So then how do they follow up back-to-back home losses in teams that are better than you, but also I still think gettable that I have written as losses? A game that we've already talked about, I had them traveling to Lexington, Kentucky, and and playing a team that I'm pretty high on and have them finishing high up in the SEC East standings. But I have them going getting a win at Kentucky 21-20 in an upset there. So they bounce back with two home losses with a big road win against a good team. And you follow that up with a trip to Alabama. Uh, It's a team that Alabama has pretty much dominated under Nick Saban. And um, they get an easy win. Not an easy win. I don't say any SEC team's easy, but a comfortable win. Uh, Alabama does against Mississippi State 41-21 here. Then Auburn comes into town. This is another one of the games that I can easily see bouncing the other way. But right now I've got Auburn getting a bit of road win. One of their few big road game, uh, road wins on the season, 24 to 17, and a little bit of revenge after the 28 to 3 comeback Mississippi State had last season. So that's how I have it going this year. But like just like Texas A&M and Arkansas matchups, a few bounces in the right way of the home team, Mississippi State can get that one as well. Georgia at home for Mississippi State. Don't see that one being too competitive. 35 13. They're just not there. Um, maybe if I'm wrong on these home losses that I have from Mississippi State and things do go the right way for the home team and they get two or three of those wins going that way and you turn around and look and maybe you've got, you know, one, two losses uh, when Georgia comes into town, maybe this place is just hopping and it's a crazy atmosphere in Starkville and who knows at that point, but I don't see it playing out that way. I think Georgia wins that one handily, 35-13. You bounce back with a home win against uh, East Tennessee State, 41-7. Should be easy there. Before ending the season, at Ole Miss in the Egg Bowl, one of the more exciting rivalries that uh, we've got around in college football. Uh, this one, it seems like it goes back and forth every year. But this year, I give to Ole Miss and the home team, 24-21. to uh, A close one. Again, it's another one of the games that I can see going either way. So... As I have it right now, I've got the final prediction for the regular season record for Mississippi State being 6-6. Six and six. I had the over-under pick at under 6.5, so I am predicting my under pick to still hit. But, as I look at it more and more, I start to like the over. Even though I'm still predicting the under, and I picked the under for 6.5 here, I mean, I said like there's three or four games. And three or, three or so of them are at home to where, uh, you know, a couple of bounces go the other way to where I've got written down as losses could end up in wins. So I can see seven and five. I can see eight and four from Mississippi State. Very possible. But right now I've got six and six and the under six and a half hitting. All right, we move forward back to the east now. We get Missouri, Missouri Tigers. Uh, they've named Brady Cook as the starter. He did start in the Texas Bowl last season for Missouri, but I mean, Missouri's team, it just seems like the roster is still not there. Coach uh, Eli Drinkwitz, uh, now he's starting to enter, I don't want to say do or die mode, because I think that, at least in terms of kind of other SEC standards, their standards for quickly firing a coach isn't as high as some others. So, but it is starting to kind of run out for Drinkwitz. I don't think that he can keep 
missing bowl games. Um, I think if he wants to stay around, because they've got some good recruiting coming in, but uh, for him to stick around, I think they need to at least make a bowl game. But that's for that to happen. Here's how I see their schedule playing out. They start at home against Louisiana Tech. Should be a win here, 28-10. to 10. I've got it from Missouri. Then you travel to Kansas State. This is this is another interesting. I love it when teams do it. Again, just like I said in Mississippi State, more home and homes. I honestly don't know a ton about Kansas State. So this one I've written down. How does Missouri compare to Mississippi or to Kansas State? I don't have a ton of knowledge here, but I give it to the SEC. Even on the road, 21-17, but I can see it bouncing the other way as well. It's a super intriguing matchup and one I'm going to be tuned in for, but uh, giving it to Missouri at the moment, 21 to 17 to start 2 and 0, and then Abilene Christian uh, comes after that to Missouri, and I've got that being a 31-14 win for the Tigers to start 3 and 0. Then the road starts getting a little bit rocky. We've already talked about them traveling to Auburn, 31-17. I had that win for the Auburn Tigers over Missouri on the road. Georgia comes to Missouri. We've got that being a 45-13 to win for the Bulldogs, so back-to-back losses. And then they go to Florida, where I have the Gators winning 27-14 to to make it three straight losses for Missouri to end up 3-3 three and three on the season. I do have them getting a home win the next week, a home SEC win against Vanderbilt, 24-20. to But this one, I mean, being a little close, uh, I think Vanderbilt pushes... If Vanderbilt's going to get an SEC win, which I know they're, we close with Vanderbilt, but if they're going to do it, this is the best shot that I have, but I give it to Missouri because they're at home for this one. So 24-20 win for the Tigers for turning around, going to South Carolina, where I give an advantage to the Gamecocks at home, 30-20 to there. We've already talked about them hosting Kentucky. I have the Wildcats winning 31-17 to on the road. Then they go to the Volunteers, play Tennessee, where I think that, much like last season, Tennessee's offense just overwhelms them. 42-14 to win for Tennessee. They come back home. They get a win against New Mexico State, 28-10, to before ending the season at home against Arkansas, where you lose 38-17. to A lot of those games I've already talked about, uh, so we've kind of got a little bit of matchup. Breakdowns for them, but uh, overall regular season record for Missouri, I've got five and seven. I predicted in the over/under picks uh, under five and a half, so I have that hitting here at five and seven on the season. And probably that leads to drink what's being fired, and they moving in a in a new route for a head coach. Uh, like I said, I think that they need to get to a bowl game for Missouri to not hit the reset button and I just I don't see it when I look at their schedule at the moment. So 5 and 7 for Missouri. All right, next team, Ole Miss, the uh, the Rebels. There will be a quarterback battle to try to pl- replace Matt Corral between Jackson Dart and Luke Altmeyer. Still haven't uh said who that's going to be as of yet, and they have to replace 11 starters from last year from one of their best seasons in quite a while, and uh, we'll see if they're able to uh, repeat it and finish just as well and keep building upwards. They get things started with Troy. Everyone remembers Troy from when they were able to go into LSU a few years ago and get an upset win there, but I don't see them doing it here to Ole Miss. I get that as a win for the Rebels, 49-7. to 
Then Central Arkansas comes in, and that should be an easy win for the Rebels as well, 38-10. to Ole Miss has got one of the better openings to a season. Oh, they're kind of big games and, and tough matchups on the back end, so they have a really good chance to start off well. They travel in week three to play Georgia Tech on the road, but I got that as a should be a good matchup for the Rebels. 30-14 to win here. Tulsa in week four. Should be a good win, 31-17. to 14-point victory. A little bit closer than some people want it to be, but still a pretty good win where it's not really in doubt. They'll start 4-0. Then I have them hosting Kentucky in a game we've already talked about where they have a home loss, home slip up here where the Wildcats come in and get a 7-point win, 28-21. to and, uh, and it's a disappointing loss at home, especially when you could be riding 5-0 and and then you get Vanderbilt the next week which I've got being a 42-3 win. So it's disappointing that you dropped that one to Kentucky, but I, I have that as a loss. Obviously followed up Vanderbilt with the win there. Then you get Auburn at home. I have them winning that one 31-21, a game we've already talked about. Traveling to LSU, already talked about that one as well. That's a 30-21 win to where you kind of sweep the Tigers here. And then follow that up with a road game against Texas A&M where I have them dropping that game 35-17. to Tough one there. Follow that up with a home game against Alabama. We've already talked about it, but that's a 14-point loss to the Crimson Tide at home, followed up by a road game at Arkansas where I have them losing 38-20. to Tough stretch, three-game stretch I have for them there before ending the season on a home win in the Egg Bowl against Mississippi State 24 to 21. So overall, that puts Ole Miss at 8 and 4. And if you go back and listen to my over/unders episode, I had them at under 7 and a half. So when picking game by game schedule, I'm going against what I had for the under. Now that under was a pick based off of value instead of more of just what I thought was the most likely. I thought that I liked the value on the under pick for the possibility, but when looking at it game by game here before the season starts, I still have them at 8-4 and four and hitting the over. So game by game, 8-4, and four, but I do like the possibility of being a little bit wrong on some of the wins and dropping more than I expect uh, for the over-under value-wise based on what you can get there. But still, game by game, I have Ole Miss going 8-4 and four on the season. Next up, South Carolina. This is a team that uh, a lot of people are really high on. They ended it uh, last season with uh, with a lot of momentum, uh, overachieving in year one for head coach Shane Beamer. And then they come in year two. They get Spencer Rattler at quarterback. He transfers in from Oklahoma, big name there. Uh, he comes in to try to actually lead South Carolina to a competent offense instead of having a graduate assistant run their system like they did last year and still making a bowl game and winning a bowl game last season. But I think they are kind of questionable at the line of scrimmage, and that's kind of where I see some problems happening for South Carolina. But jumping into the schedule, they start off Georgia State at home, 24-7 win here. Uh, lower team, it's a little bit lower of a margin of victory. For South Carolina, for you know, when playing a Georgia State, but still a win regardless, you'll take it. Uh, going to Arkansas, we mentioned it before. If you listen to the Arkansas section, if you skipped ahead and you're just hearing South Carolina at this part, I had them going on the road into a game that the media is going to hype up. 
uh, to be a big matchup, but I think Arkansas is just better overall, especially on the lines of scrimmage, to where I think Arkansas at home gets a big 38-10 to win here. Then South Carolina hosts Georgia early in the season at home, but they just, they're just they not ready to match up there. 38-7 to loss here for South Carolina to the Bulldogs. They start 1-2. Charlotte comes to town. Uh, that should be an easy win, even though I've got it 14 points, 41-27. to But the offense looks good for South Carolina. First time they hit over 24 points and they dropped 41. I followed that up with South Carolina State. Another should be easy win. Much bigger margin of victory here, 44-10 as they go to 3-2. Then they travel to Kentucky. We talked about it. Uh, This is a game that's more low scoring. It always seems like South Carolina, Kentucky is closer than it always should be. And uh, here I've still got Kentucky winning, but 24-10. Offense just doesn't click, and the lines of scrimmage dominated by the other team here. So 24-10. Texas A&M comes to South Carolina in the East-West matchup. We don't get to see a ton. But uh, here A&M's roster is just better overall. 38-17 win for the Aggies. South Carolina bounces back with uh, wins against... Missouri at home, 30-20, to and then you travel to Vanderbilt where you get a win here, 31-20. to So pretty similar scores that I've got written down, but South Carolina back-to-back wins. And then a really uh, tough stretch to end the season. You travel to Gainesville in a game that I have being very close. And if South Carolina is going to get uh, a big upset and get back to, you know, bowl game and around the same area and, and chances to improve off of last season... And I think this is one that uh, they're going to have to get at Florida. I've got them losing 31-28, to but a few more bounces go the right way, and this is a potential upset game for the Gamecocks over the Gators. But right now, I've got it as a loss, 31-28. to You host Tennessee. This is another one that I think... I'm not, my score here is not going to be a close game. I've got Tennessee winning 38-21. to But if I had to pick like a home upset... I can see a path to where the South Carolina plays well here. Tennessee um, has a little bit too many turnovers or something. Potential here uh, for it, but I don't see it happening. Tennessee's better and should be better and win. 38-21 to uh, win for the ball. This is what I got written down. And then you end the year on the road at your rival Clemson. Uh, and I've got that as a loss, 34-17. to Maybe you're a little bit competitive early on where you think you can have a chance, but Clemson's got the better roster no matter what uh, you know, people want to say about Dabo uh, kind of falling off here and not able to get back to where they were. I, they're still better. And I, I think that that might be a little premature about Clemson just falling off the map and going back to what they used to be. But uh, anyway, overall, South Carolina, I have them finishing as 5-7, and seven, missing a bowl in... Uh, declining from where they were a year ago. Over under pick, I had them under six and a half, which is my best bet on the East from that video. So, still under that, under by a couple of games. Like I said, I, I said there's a potential path for some updates there, but still go six and six. I like the under. Still my best bet pick uh, for the over under preseason totals. So, five and seven is what I see for South Carolina. All right, next up is the Tennessee Volunteers, and being from Tennessee and having lots of Tennessee fans, I'm sure a lot are interested on how I see the season going. And I don't know if it's much of a hot take, 
Uh, but this is just kind of how I see it. I think Hendon Hooker, a quarterback for Tennessee, is the most important player in the entire league, the entire SEC. I'm not saying he's the best player and he's going to carry Tennessee or anything. But I think as far as one player, uh, one, one player's success or failures determining how an, an entire team season goes, uh, he's definitely the most important and he, he carries the most weight towards uh, how his team does. And the reason why is uh, Tennessee just, I still don't think they have the defensive depth uh, to, to be on the field line. It'll be kind of similar to how it was last year to where the, of how fast Tennessee wants to run their offense and how explosive and, and quick striking that their their offense is. Their defense already doesn't have a lot of depth. We saw teams, you know, when they were on the field and Tennessee's defense was on, um, they would run, you know, a ton of time of possession and try to keep the, the defense for Tennessee on the field as much as possible, run up a ton of plays. To where a team that's already lacking a bunch of depth is already gassed and just can't hold up late in ball games. I see that happening quite a bit this year. So Hendon Hooker, I think, is going to have to be uh, one of the best offensive quarterbacks in the league for Tennessee to reach their potential. And a lot of people are really high on Tennessee. Some have them as high as second in the East, and I think that's definitely in play. Uh, but for them to reach that mark, Hendon Hooker has to perform very well. He can't. He can't really fall off from where he was last year if he regresses, uh, gets really worse with the turnovers, doesn't stay healthy, gets hurt. All of a sudden, Tennessee's season could end up in a lot of trouble because I just think that Tennessee's offense, the way that they they want to run things and the lack of defensive depth they have, they're going to have to score 35 points uh, to feel good about having a chance to win just any ball game. You're going to have to score points. You're not going to have many low-scoring wins. That's just not going to how it's how it's going to be. Sometimes maybe even need 40 points. So if Hendon Hooker doesn't perform and the offense falls off, I think all of a sudden Tennessee's in trouble. So we'll go ahead and jump into the schedule with that in mind and how I see things playing out. They start with Ball State. Uh, 42-21 shouldn't be a problem. Exactly. I think offense plays well. Defense gives up a few touchdowns kind of early type of thing. 42-21. Uh, win for Tennessee. Not too much of a problem. Here's an interesting one. Much like how I see Auburn uh, and even in Auburn's kind of season starting out with some big games but winnable games early in the season to where if you win those games all of a sudden you're on track. You are on pace to have a much better season and meet your expectations and do really well. But if you drop those games that are winnable early in the season all of a sudden Things can kind of spiral out of control. So, week two, you travel to Pittsburgh. This is a game I think Tennessee should win. I think that they're better than Pittsburgh, especially now as they're replacing Kenny Pickett. But this is a team that also came to Knoxville last year with the same offense. And um, they came in and uh, with Kenny Pickett for Pittsburgh. And they came into Knoxville and won that game. And Tennessee's defense just couldn't make a stop. So... I think Tennessee can win this one, and they should expect to win this one. I think they'll probably be a favorite, a small favorite. But I see this one going as a little bit of a home upset for for Pittsburgh here. They get the, the win 30-28, to barely squeaking one out, just kind of riding a home atmosphere. But I, it wouldn't surprise me to be dead wrong on that pick and Tennessee, you know, to have things bounce their way and, and get the win on the road. But right now I've got it as a loss to start 1-1 one one at Pittsburgh. 
come back home against Akron. Easy game there, 52-17 to score. Uh, Florida at home in a more important game than Pittsburgh. I think if um, you drop Pittsburgh and you come around and beat Florida, it's not a terrible start to the season. Definitely not a uh, you know, horrible way to go. But if it's the other way around, you beat Pittsburgh, but you drop Florida, that's that's a lot worse than the other way around. But I've got we've already talked about it. Tennessee, I have beating Florida 35-21, to pulling away kind of late there to get an 11-point win against the Gators. You go to LSU, already talked about it. This is a big home win I've got for Brian Kelly, 35-31. to Alabama comes to Neyland, 45-28 win for the Crimson Tide here. Uh, that is a 17-point victory for Alabama, but it's one where I can see being close at halftime. And then, like I said about the defensive depth to where uh, Bama's defense just makes more stops and, and Tennessee can't get off the field there, 45-28. UT Martin, they bounce back with that at home, 49-10 to win for the Volunteers. Kentucky at home, we talked about it. I think this is a big win for Tennessee uh, over, you know, I've – Got Kentucky beating Georgia. If you hadn't listened to that section of it and you skipped ahead, I'd have Kentucky upsetting the Bulldogs at home. But I have Kentucky going to Tennessee and dropping that one, 38-28, and the big win for the Volunteers. Uh, so Tennessee, they'll get their chance to go to Georgia. And this is one that I said, if there is a potential for upset, this is one of them for Georgia to lose. I give it to Georgia here because it's at Georgia. So 42-31 was a score for that game. But there is potential that things bounce the right way throughout that game. I can see a world where Tennessee does pull an upset here. I'm not picking it, but I see potential. Missouri at home for Tennessee. Big win here, much like it was last season. Missouri just can't stop them. 42-14. Can't stay, you know, keep pace with their offense. Big win for the Volunteers. You travel. Uh, so that was the final home game. And you end it with back-to-back road games at South Carolina. I've got it as a 38-21 win. I just talked about it with South Carolina that I can see a world where South Carolina plays well and and Tennessee doesn't to where they get it, but I'm not picking that here. 38-21, 17-point win for the Vols. And you end at Vanderbilt, 49-6. Big win for Tennessee. So that puts the Volunteers at an 8-4 record. And if you remember from the over-under pick, I um, I had under 7.5. So this is clearly different. I uh, There was a big value on under 7.5 because I said there's a world where I think they can drop to Pittsburgh, they can drop Florida, um, they can drop Kentucky, South Carolina maybe pulls off an upset. And that's in the world to where Hendon Hooker doesn't live up to the expectations that people have him like high to be. And a lot of people really high on him in the Tennessee offense. This that for under seven and a half is the potential to where the offense doesn't meet expectations or hand and hooker gets hurt and all of a sudden you, you know you can't run the offense the way you want to and with lack of defensive depth season kind of comes apart. That's why I say he's the most important player in the league. Uh, you need his success to do well. But I think I'm not going to pick anybody to get hurt. So Hendon Hooker I think has a good year. Maybe not the. I mean, I've seen Dark Horse Heisman picks. I don't, I'm don't. i not picking that to happen, but I think he has a pretty good year and, and towards the top of the league, and that ends in an 8-4 and four prediction for the Tennessee. I mean, ceiling's 10-2, and two, I think, for Tennessee. That is, that's a possible world if Hooker goes off and has a great time, and maybe the defense is a little bit better 
than I predict predicting here. But um, ten and two, I think uh, seven and five, six and six. That is pure worst case. And for Tennessee, honestly, how they've been, uh, you know, even just a couple of years ago, you just saying worst case seven and five, six and six, like uh, that. It's pretty impressive in just year two where they're at. So eight and four is what I got. And we'll see how that kind of compares in the SEC East standings. But I think even with eight and four, it's a good year for, for Tennessee there. Moving forward, Texas A&M. Uh, this is the last West team that we have. So two more left. Texas A&M, Vanderbilt. But we'll go ahead uh, and jump in. Haynes King seems to be the starting QB for A&M. I don't think they've officially announced it as of yet, but uh, all signs seem to be pointing that Haynes King should start. Uh, obviously, they, they could go the other way. I could be wrong about that, and they come out and surprise people, and it's not, but he seems to be taking back over for the starting QB job. And A&M, they're a team that a lot of people are really high on. I'm high on them. They've got a really good roster overall, and people think, someone's thinking, well, is this the year that they... Do they go into Tuscaloosa and beat Alabama back-to-back? Do they finally win the West? I think they can make a whole lot of noise and get close. Um, for sure, but we'll, we'll see. We'll, let's jump into the schedule and uh, and run through it. Sam Houston at home to start the season. Easy win, not much to say. Unless you're a Texas A&M fan, I don't see a lot of other people in the league really tuning in and watching that wire-to-wire. 48-3 win for A&M. Appalachian State. Week two at home, I've got this one being closer uh, than people would think. This is, i got a score written down as to where you look at it and you're like, whoa, um, that is surprising. 24-14 to 14 win, and it's a game where, again, Appalachian State never threatens to necessarily win this one outright, but it's just one that makes you kind of look like, oh, A&M's only winning by 10 against Appalachian State in the fourth quarter type of type of game. And you end up winning. winning. Uh, then a big surprise here. I think they they go and play Miami. Is that at home? I think that's at home. And um, they end up uh, dropping one. So I've got this as a 27-20 to 20 loss against Miami in a home game. And this is just where I feel like the early season expectations kind of get to him. Haynes King, maybe he messes up. Maybe they replace him and go to a different guy. I don't know and take over the offense, but it just doesn't all click very early season, and people kind of wonder, like, uh-oh, they're wasting another another season here. But I have them dropping. Mario Cristobal, I like him at Miami and what he's going to do there. Uh, so 27-20, to 20, big win for Miami here. Huge program builder for Mario Cristobal and the um, Hurricanes. But they bounce back after that with the 35-24 win and a big win against Arkansas in Arlington. And that uh, game always seems to be crazy, so I see that going A&M this year, uh, getting revenge on Arkansas from last season. Then you travel to Mississippi State. Already talked about it, but it is a 30-14 to win on the road for A&M. That's what I have. So you get a couple of good wins. One's a neutral site, one's on the road, both away from home after your home loss to Miami. You travel to Alabama. In the game that we've said before when we talked about it on the Alabama side, it's going to be circled on both teams' calendars by the, everyone in the media's calendars. There was just too much offseason feud between the two head coaches to where everybody's going to be watching this one. So I think that this is uh, 
one of those games that it just doesn't live up to the expectations. It's not as close as everyone wants it to be. And Alabama wins at 35-21 to 21 at home. 14-point win there. But after that, I think that A&M starts to kind of figure things out with their identity offensively and all that. And, you know, and their defense kind of really starts locking things down as well. So they uh, go to South Carolina, get things turned around with a 38-17 to 17 win here. Move on, come back home for back-to-back games. You beat Ole Miss 35-17. to 17. And then you beat uh, Florida 35-21. to 21. So a couple of good games there against SEC competition. Ole Miss and Florida at home. You travel to Auburn in a lower-scoring game to where you still win mostly by your defense and you just have control pretty much the entire way there, 21-10. to 10. Return home for UMass, win 42 to nothing, and you finish the year at home against LSU with another low-scoring 21-7 to win. A lot of those we'd already been over, kind of just how it, it crumbles when you've got Texas A&M last in the West. We can go alphabetically. but So you finish this season on a six-game winning streak to finish 10-2 and overall. The over-under pick I had in the other episode was over 8.5, so we clear that by two games. And it's one of the ones where I just think that they have a really good season. Uh, it's not necessarily a disappointment, but you drop Miami early. You have a hiccup uh, before things really get underway, and then you just you can't beat Bama on the road. Finish 10-2. End the season well to still have a bunch of momentum, and everybody's going to look towards next year and your recruiting class and all that and think, all right, it's time to start winning the SEC West. I still think that they're maybe a year away from really having the run at the West, and we'll see how they are next season and how things play out this year, too. I could be wrong, and they actually put it all together finally here, but I think that they're still a year away from putting the entire run together. They're close, but not quite. And finally, we hit the last SEC team. If you've listened to every single team and uh, made it this far, I really appreciate it. It's uh, it's taken a lot out of me just breath-wise to run through all of this straight. But Vanderbilt's the last one. If you've just uh, skipped through to hit to Vanderbilt, too, I really respect uh, you know your, your loyalness to be a Vanderbilt fan and come in and try to get hype for the upcoming season. I just I don't think I can get very hype for their season. So uh, they're still battling for their starting QB. I think it's probably going to be Ken Seals. Mike Wright's also in that. Uh, but... Either way, with Vanderbilt's roster, it's going to be an uphill battle in pretty much every game they play. They get things started at Hawaii this weekend. Not, not less. Uh, so I'm recording this on Wednesday, August 24th. So it's not this coming weekend. The or it is this coming weekend. Everybody else starts their season the the following weekend. Uh, so it'll be September 3rd. If you play a Thursday, it'll be the first. Sunday's the fourth. There's some games on other days. Vanderbilt gets things started here in week zero, which is this coming weekend at Hawaii in just three days from now. I really don't know which way to lean here. I've, I think the spread, which is already out now, is favoring Vanderbilt by a ton. But I, I've got written down as a loss 21-20 in just a close game where they just they don't show up on the road. Uh, and it's surprising. It's just the Hawaii, the travel the late night game type of thing. I've got it down 21 to 20. If I had to pick a spread, yeah, I'd probably pick Hawaii plus eight and a half, but uh, Hawaii getting the win here. I don't feel too confident about it. If there's going to be wins, it's going to come here 
early on for Vanderbilt. But I've got this one as a loss, 21-20. Elon at home, week two. Here's one of your wins, 24-14. to 10-point uh, victory there. Wake Forest at home. Don't see this one coming out for a win for Vanderbilt, 31-17. to 17. Uh, then you travel to Northern Illinois and you get a road win, 21 to 10. That's uh, how I have that one falling, 11 point victory. And that's pretty much all the positive things I can say about Vanderbilt is here in the first few uh, four weeks of the season. Um, the over under pick was two and a half. I'll go ahead and say that I had under two and a half. Um, and if you're gonna hit the over, if you're gonna if you pick the over on Vanderbilt and you haven't hit it by week four, I don't feel very good about that at all. Uh, Hawaii, I think, is really the most important game because that's the one I don't feel comfortable about picking a loss here, and that could happen. Uh, so then you know after Northern Illinois, I had them going two and two in that stretch for your non-conference games. You go at Alabama, you lose 42 to nothing. You get Ole Miss at home, I got losing 42 to three. Travel to Georgia, 56-0 in a bloodbath. You go to Missouri, and I said if there's going to be an SEC win here for Vanderbilt, that's the best chance. But I still lost 24-20 for Vanderbilt on the road. Uh, South Carolina at home, 31-20 win for the Gamecocks. Travel to Kentucky, 42-3 Wildcat win. And then two home games in the season, Florida. Got losing 38 to 7 and Tennessee 49 to 6. Overall, that's a 2 and 10 record. So I'm predicting the under 2.5, same as my pick for the under uh, the over under picks. But the Hawaii game is, you know, it's, it's bad to say when the, the week one game is very important to your over under total uh, to hit. I think, uh, I think they can't pull it out. I just don't have it at this moment. I can also see them dropping, you know, Northern Illinois, you know, on the road too. So even if they pull it out, it's still not guaranteed there. So two and ten, and they finish uh, with the under on the pick. Difficult season, but it's Vanderbilt. We all know that SEC football-wise, they don't match up, and they're they're pretty far behind. So after all of that, if you're still here, go over my final standings for the SEC. So it would have my West champion and my East champion. That's who's playing in the SEC championship game. I'm not picking that game. But in the West, we'll go ahead and start there. I have Alabama at 12-0, 8-0 in the SEC at first. So they're the SEC West champions and going to Atlanta again. I have Texas A&M at 2, at 10-2 uh, overall in the regular season and 7-1 and in SEC play right behind their only SEC loss was to Alabama their other loss was to Miami so that doesn't affect the SEC standings and then I have a three-way tie in the three four five slots between Ole Miss Auburn and Arkansas and the way it's you know three-way tie not just because of you know each team goes four and four in the SEC standings but I have Ole Miss beating Auburn I have Auburn beating Arkansas, and then I have Arkansas over Ole Miss. So they kind of all beat up on each other there, all end up 8-4 and four in a three-way tie. And then I have LSU at 6 in the West at 7-5 and five, and a 3-5 and five SEC record, and then Mississippi State ending it at 7 at 6-6 six and six overall with a 2-6 and six record. So I do have every SEC West team making a bowl game, and every, every team except for one 
uh, getting the bowl game over that spot by more than just one game. So overall, it's a tough division yet again. And, uh, you know, after A&M, I mean, everybody's pretty close uh, to each other. So that can all kind of shake out and end up a little bit differently. But that's how I see things at the moment. In the East, Georgia at number one, not going undefeated. They're at 11-1 and and 7-1 in the conference. Their loss was to Kentucky, who I've got at second place in the East, going 10-2 and and 6-2 in the SEC. Their losses were to Tennessee. I don't remember who had the other one. Let me go back and check. It was to Mississippi State in an upset. So, and that one was at home. So Mississippi State, the the last team in the West, I have upsetting uh, the second team in the East, and that's just that's how things have been for a while. Hopefully, it looks like they're starting to have a little bit more depth uh, in the East past Georgia. Uh, Tennessee, I have coming in at third in the East, at eight and four, five and three in SEC standings. So one of their lost out of conference there to Pittsburgh could go the other way, and you end up nine and three if you get that Pittsburgh win. And uh, you do have a win against Kentucky. So if maybe if I'm wrong about one of the other SEC losses, and I'm right about the Kentucky win, you tie with Kentucky, then you're sitting right there at second. So that could be switched. So second for Tennessee is in play, but I see them finishing third. At eight and four, then I have Florida finishing in fourth in the East and uh, seven and five, three and five overall in the SEC. South Carolina at fifth in the East, at five and seven, two and six in the SEC. Missouri also finishing five and seven and one and seven, only one SEC win against Vanderbilt. And then dead last in the East is Vanderbilt at two and ten and going winless in the SEC at zero and eight. If you listen this entire episode and watch it from beginning to end, uh, I just want to say thank you for for staying on and listening to the entire thing. I, it's hitting an hour and a half now and talking about each one. A lot of notes and predictions went into trying to pick each game, so I appreciate you staying on and listening. Even if you just uh, skipped in and, and hit a couple of teams that you wanted to hear about, I, I appreciate that too. And We've got a lot of other stuff coming week to week throughout the season. I'm going to try to give... Uh, my picks, you know, you know, against the spread and my favorite ones east uh, throughout the SEC each each game that they face and give maybe my top three and get, keep up with a record there. So that should be a lot of fun. And obviously this is a, you know, preseason how I see things ending up. I can be dead wrong about how I see one of these teams and all of a sudden I change things up and base it off of how their performance has been. So this is all without seeing anything so far. Uh, I know it's going to be a lot of differences from what actually happens, but we've got it on record here to come back and see how far off I really am. So I appreciate you jumping in and listening. Be on the lookout for more SEC football content because there's going to be plenty coming throughout the season. I hope you're as excited as I am for it to finally be here. But until next time when we start actually talking about some football, and it is close, this is Hang the Banner, and I'll catch you in the next one.